Hello, and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do, so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 10. Flippin' heck, double figures now. It really feels like only five minutes ago that we were setting up episode one, and now we've got a back catalogue. So feel free to go back and have a look through the back catalogue. So far, we've covered what the podcast is about. We've looked at saving time by using social media better. We've covered where to start looking for resource on social media to help you get better. Um, We've done two interviews so far with other people on how they get things done, and there's some top tips in there. Incidentally, I mentioned Wonderlist a couple of episodes ago. It looks like Microsoft are producing an app called To Do, which is set to replace Wonderlist. So more news on that as it happens. See, Sharp keeps you informed as well. What else? We've looked at habits, good ones, bad ones, how to make them work for you. And now we're looking at why you should plan in some me time and where you can find the resource to help. Last week, we looked at some podcast resource. Looked at? Can you look at a podcast? I suppose you can go and look at the show notes. Um, This week, we're looking at apps and online resource that can help you achieve me time. We've already covered the need to take time to repair, to build up our reserves and our strength. And we've explored the idea of why we struggle to dedicate time to that. Now, each night we dedicate time to it because we sleep. Some people understand sleep is so important that they sometimes plan it into their day. Now, there's an example of dedication to planning in me time, planning a sleep into your working day. For many, the idea of an afternoon nap, well, it sounds lazy. (laughs) What of a key, a plate and a bony chair got in common? Well, according to Salvador Dali, the answer is to generate creative inspiration. Dali apparently swore by the idea of taking a micro-nap in a chair, holding a key, and when he fell asleep, the key would drop onto the plate and wake him up. This created a hypnogogic state, which inspired Dali's creative juices. Okay, well, that sounds a bit extreme. Maybe you fancy something a bit more conventional in the area of afternoon snoozing. It's an interesting idea, isn't it, taking a siesta? We know that many cultures see the benefits and it's built into everyday life in some parts of the world, driven initially to get some respite from the hottest part of the day. But there are many reports of the benefits of taking a nap in the afternoon. Science has shown that a short snooze can help you feel more alert, increase your creativity, boost your productivity, reduce stress and boost your mood. And if you can afford to nap for at least 60 minutes, it might help improve your memory and learning ability as well. There are interesting articles from people like Michael Hyatt who report on Einstein, Edison, Churchill and Kennedy who extol the virtues of an afternoon nap improving their productivity, their alertness, even reducing heart disease. It's worth exploring. I'll put a link in the show notes. So there are some good examples of people that recognise that planning in the benefit of focusing on how their system works to regenerate helps them. Your me time might be a nap, but it might be other things. And that doesn't need to be at the end of your working day. Plan it into the day. If you're self-employed and you're in charge of your own day, it's probably easier to do. If you're employed, well, We should be getting breaks. And if you can't work having a nap into your day, then the next best option is to ensure that you get your breaks. It's well documented that taking breaks improves productivity. 
I go for a walk at least once a day, physically getting away from my working environment. I find the combination of getting outside, getting as close to nature if you can, but at least getting outside into fresh air, the physical activity of moving and disconnecting, these things all allow my brain to pause, to recharge and to reflect. I often have my best ideas when I'm not thinking about the problem that I'm trying to solve. And that's because I'm allowing my brain to do its own thing while I walk. So Steve, you know you send me outside to do these, these outside broadcast bits, with the idea being to, to give the listener a bit of texture in the podcast, a bit of break from just studio you. And you know that you don't pay me to do it, but you do expect me to use relatively good quality equipment to get a decent recording. Now, none of those things are a problem. They're really not. But you do know that you and I are the same person, don't you? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to create this illusion that we're two different people. So long as we know that it's just us. I mean, just me. Because this time, you told me to go out and have a walk to illustrate this idea of, you know, going for a walk and clearing your mind and having ideas. But the problem is, I haven't had any ideas. And the thing is, that is your fault, that's not mine. You can't blame me, because it is your fault that I haven't had a good idea. And just as long as we're straight on that, that's all. Anyway, that's it. I'll see you in a minute. Um, do you want me to bring anything in? Last week, one of the things we considered as a method of getting some me time was meditation. And there's a lot of research explaining the practical benefits of meditation, how it can reduce stress, focus your mind on the task in hand, or just help you relax. A couple of years ago, I came across the story of Andy Puddicombe. Puddicombe is from Bristol in the United Kingdom. He went to Wales Way Comprehensive School in Keynesham, and he studied sports science at De Montfort University, all very mainstream and arguably conventional. But in 1994, Puddicombe gave up his studies and travelled to Asia to train as a Buddhist monk. Ten years later, after training in Nepal, India, Burma, Thailand, Australia and Russia, Puddicombe returned to the UK saying that he wanted to make meditation and mindfulness accessible, relevant and beneficial to as many people as possible. He set up a private meditation practice in 2006 and spent the next four years working as a mindfulness consultant while adapting the language and the techniques that he'd previously learned. Eventually, Andy set up Headspace, an app to help people learn how to easily get some time in a busy day to themselves. Now, the app is free. You can start with 10 minutes a day and see how you get on. You can read more about Andy Puddicombe at the Headspace site. I'll put a link in. And you can watch and listen to more about Andy's ideas in his TED Talk. Here's a snippet to get you thinking. We live in an incredibly busy world. The the pace of life is often frantic, our minds are always busy, and we're always doing something. So with that in mind, I'd like you just to take a moment to think, when did you last take any time to do nothing? Just 10 minutes, undisturbed. And when I say nothing, I do mean nothing. So that's no emailing, texting, no internet, no TV, no chatting, no eating, no reading. Not even sitting there reminiscing about the past or planning for the future. Simply doing nothing. 
I see a lot of very blank faces. <laughs> My thinking is it's probably have to go a long way back. And this is an extraordinary thing, right? We're talking about our mind. The mind, our most valuable and precious resource through which we experience every single moment of our life. The mind that we rely upon to be happy, content, emotionally stable as individuals, and at the same time to be kind and thoughtful and considerate in our relationships with others. This is the same mind that we depend upon to be focused, creative, spontaneous, and to perform at our very best in everything that we do. And yet, we don't take any time out to look after it. In fact, we spend more time looking after our cars, our clothes, and our hair than we... Okay, maybe not our hair, but <laughs> you see where I'm going. The, the result, of course, is that we get stressed. So the app is called Headspace. It's on Android or iTunes. If you're an Apple user, you might remember Dan Harris, we've talked about before, covers a similar area. His 10% Happier app is currently on iTunes for iOS, although that may change in the future. Um, but it doesn't look like it's currently available for Android. So I'll put links to Headspace and the 10% Happier app in the show notes. They're very much worth exploring. They both help you to get short, manageable slices of time away from a busy life just for you. And believe me, that 10 minutes investment each day can pay back a significant return on that time if you want to be balanced, considered, and just feel a little bit more in control. If you think about the challenges that we face and how we react to them as if it was a match and a fuse, then for me, meditating enables you to think about the gap between the match and the fuse and to pause long enough to decide if it's worth lighting or not. We've spoken about the Good Life Project and Jonathan Field's buckets, particularly the Vitality Bucket. There's some great online resource at the Good Life Project, from podcast to video to online reading. Here's a snip of Jonathan talking to Debbie Millman on designing your life. That's what it's all about. But but and this is and this is where I think we run into trouble in terms of being fulfilled. Hmm. You know, if you think about it, our grandparents didn't come home at night and talk to their spouses or their siblings or whoever about whether or not they were happy at work. It was about how they were going to survive. Right, I'm putting food on the table exactly. and roof over the head. Supporting yeah. their families, supporting themselves. You have to make your own happiness wherever you are. Your job isn't going to make you happy. Your spouse isn't going to make you happy. The weather isn't going to make you happy. You, a restaurant isn't going to make you happy. I think you have to decide what you want, and you have to find that way of doing it, mm. whether or not the outside circumstances are going to participate in your success. And for people that want to create something meaningful, if you're not getting it at work, then do it at home. If you're not getting it every day in the workplace, self-generate your own work. Make what you need to do to be happy. There's loads of inspiring video resource on their YouTube channel, so have a look. Another way to spend time on yourself is, of course, some form of exercise. And it doesn't need to be boring jogging out on the streets anymore. From press-ups to pumping iron, from running to rowing, whether you're in the gym, in your front room or in the park, there's an app to support you keep you motivated, and importantly, plan to spend a little time on you. The area of fitness apps have exploded, and it's not just about tracking your steps. There are apps to make sure you've got the right background music to get you in the mood. 
You can track your heart rate. You can even have the music playing that matches its beats to the tempo of your steps or your strides. You can link to others and compete on running distance or cycling, and you can compete with friends who are with you or people on the other side of the world. I'll share an article from PC Mag that introduces you to many of these apps, but a quick search on Google will help you find others if you want to spend your own time looking for an app that might be more suited to you. Certainly, finding an app which helps you get the best out of a short exercise routine can help keep you in the routine of good habits instead of challenging ones. If you want your me time to be a bit less energetic, how about journaling? Journaling is another great me time activity for two reasons. I journal at the end of each day and I do it twice, once at the end of my working day and once again when I go to bed. In my work journal, I record three things. What went well today? What didn't go so well? And what happened that I need to capture and put into a calendar or my diary or plan for the future, grabbing it while it's hot before I forget it? In my personal journal, I also reflect on three things, and they are what went well in a personal capacity, which sometimes it's the same as work, but I try to make it different, a bit more about my life in a, in a broader sense. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I journal on is what I learned, and again, what I learned from a personal perspective. And the third thing is what I'm grateful for. Now, people have been writing diaries since, well, since people have been writing. But the gratitude bit seems to be being recognised as being linked to well-being, positivity, changing your outlook, even your physiological health. Is there such a thing as physiological health? I think I meant even your physiology and your health. There's a report from the Harvard Medical School that talks about a number of studies on how expressing gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. It says that gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, to relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity and build strong relationships. I'll show the article in the show notes, but taking the time to journal and specifically to take a minute out to think about what you're grateful for in your life can be really affirming and quite powerful. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, it's likely that you're using a smartphone, a laptop or a tablet, and that means that you're also likely to have a lot of other things in your life to be grateful for. For example, just take a minute to consider your smartphone. If you're anything like me, the day you get that shiny new gadget, you tend to be pretty happy about it and you tend to really appreciate it. And the same can apply to anything that we look forward to owning from a new car to a new pair of shoes. Whatever your bag, what your bag, you see, handbag, that's another thing that people like owning. The point at which we transition from not having a thing to getting that thing, for many people, brings a little bit of joy. But then, in a few days, a few weeks, a few months later, that thing is still there. It hasn't changed, but our view of it has. And we're maybe a little less appreciative of it. Now, there's a quote that I was trying to find here to illustrate this. It was something about a golden doorstep. It went along the lines of, it was something like, I've spent my life wanting a golden doorstep, and within two days of having it, I merrily skipped over it each day as if it had been there forever. Now, I honestly don't know whether I made that up or uh, I read it somewhere and it's just really hard to find on Google. I couldn't find the quote, but you do get the point. It doesn't take long to begin to start to take some things for granted. And I'm not suggesting here that we should beat ourselves up about that. That's human nature. But apparently, the mere act of thinking about what you've got in your life to be grateful for is enough to change your outlook. In fact, it turns out that it doesn't even really matter what you come up with. 
It's going through the process. So if you want a journal, you can do it in all sorts of ways. You can do it in a book. I like that. I like the idea of paper and pen, you know, that whole tactile thing. Or you can do it electronically, and Evernote and Dropbox are great resources for that kind of stuff. I often tweet links from Evernote in particular. As an app, Evernote really gets my vote as a cracking resource for many things, including journaling, productivity, storing pictures of the people and things that you appreciate that you have in your life, or just taking notes. Whether you want to make significant changes around me time relating to exercise routines, learning an instrument, or smaller changes like taking a break or noting down at the end of the day what you're grateful for, there are plenty of apps, online resources, and all sorts of ways you can make it happen. I'll end this week with a TED Talk which brings those subjects together. Laura Vanderkam talks about prioritising time for you. When people find out I write about time management, they assume two things. One is that I'm always on time, and I'm not. I have four small children, and I would like to blame them for my occasional tardiness, but sometimes it's just not their fault. I was once late to my own speech on time management. <laughs> We all had to just take a moment together and savor that irony. The second thing they assume is that I have lots of tips and tricks for saving bits of time here and there. And sometimes I'll hear from magazines that are doing a story along these lines, generally on how to help their readers find an extra hour in the day. And the idea is that we'll shave bits of time off everyday activities, add it up, and we'll have time for the good stuff. And I question the entire premise of this piece. But I'm always interested in hearing what they've come up with before they call me. So some of my favorites, doing errands in a way where you only have to make right-hand turns, Being extremely judicious in microwave usage, so it says three to three and a half minutes on the package. We are totally getting in on the bottom side of that. And my personal favorite, which makes sense on some level, is to DVR your favorite shows so you can fast forward through the commercials. And that way you save about eight minutes every half hour. So in the course of two hours of watching TV, you find 32 minutes to exercise. <laughs> which is true. You know another way to find 32 minutes to exercise? Don't watch two hours of TV a day, right? Anyway, the idea is we'll save bits of time here and there, add it up, we will finally get to everything we want to do. But after studying how successful people spend their time and looking at their schedules hour by hour, I think this idea has it completely backward. We don't build the lives we want by saving time. We build the lives we want, and then time saves itself. So that's the end of episode 10, and we've covered loads of stuff. Now you know where to look to get inspiration, suggestions, and practical help to start planning in some important recharge time. In these last two episodes, we've looked at podcasts, apps, and online resource. Next week, we'll look at the written word to round up the me time, you time, um, let's call it us time subject. As always, if you like what we're doing here, please share on Twitter, Facebook, share the website, or give us a rating on iTunes. Further reading, as always, is available in the show notes for each episode. I'm off to clean my good old-fashioned concrete doorstep. You have a great week, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
Here, Pepper, you know we often put you in the promotional stuff and then we do these little funny bits at the end. Do you reckon anybody really notices that? What about if we gave them a prize if they spotted it? 